verse 24. So glad to see all of you. And by the way, I, I just want you guys to know, let me just get my, my phone. I want to just share this with you. I'm, I'm glad to see Sister Jamie. And Sister Jamie, again, congratulations for, for your awards, being Teacher of the Year, and for graduating. I just think it's, I just think it's absolutely amazing, and uh, we are we are collectively so proud of you, Sister Jamie. We really thank God for you, and we appreciate uh, your your accomplishments. And I also want to just just uh, give a shout out to Sister Cynthia because we appreciate her accomplishments as well. And. And uh, and sister and sister sister Cynthia, I just want you guys to know, in addition to all of her creative skills in both art and poetry, and sister Jamie, is a poet in her own right, sister Cynthia received a, uh, and I think this is like a human. I'm kind of going in and out. Maybe I'll have to bring this up a little bit, but it's a uh, it's a humana it's humana game changer, right, sister Cynthia? Can you just tell us? You know, uh, in, in 30 seconds, uh, in Mark chapter 5, I wanted to share with you guys this subject about the lady who was dying because she was hemorrhaging um, out of control and there was just no, no remedy in sight. And just a few, just a few thoughts on this. Just, uh, just thank the Lord for all of you guys that are online and uh, we praise God for you. So I'm going to read this and it says here in verse 24, Mark 5. It says, and he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. And by the way, let me just come in on that right quick, just so you got to get an understanding of what this means. So Jesus, I was going to show a clip. I wanted to show you guys this clip from The Chosen. It was really a good illustration of what's going on here, but it was like six and a half minutes. I didn't want to just take that much time. And there was nowhere. I, I tried clipping it and editing it, and I just couldn't cut it down to maybe a couple minutes without leaving some good parts. But I just want you guys to imagine Jesus walking out here on Arbor Avenue and people are just pressed in. Did anyone go to the Cavs celebration in 2016 when they won the NBA championship? Okay, so yeah, I was down there. I was down there. Probably shouldn't have been. I mean, the humanity, people were pressed everywhere. And I wasn't even in as thick of a crowd as Marie and Kim were in. They, it was just people everywhere. You just couldn't, you couldn't get anywhere. You couldn't move. It was just stifling in certain areas along the parade path. I just imagine, imagine so, imagine the parade path in 2016 and Jesus walking down Euclid Avenue, down 9th Street toward Euclid Avenue, trying to get through there. Well, that's what it was like, I imagine, in my mind. And that's what the movie illustrates in the show. Look this up on YouTube. Just, just, uh, just search the chosen uh, Jesus and the woman with the issue of blood, and you'll see this video clip. Very, very compelling clip. It's only six and a half minutes. Too long for us, but good for you to really get an idea of what this may have been like. So I imagine Jesus trying to get through the crowd on the on the sixteen the twenty sixteen championship parade route, and these people are just everywhere. Just and so when I looked up the word pressing in on him, uh, Luke says that it was almost like he was suffocating. The people were so close to him, everybody's brushing up against him. It's like he's just suffocating with this crowd of humanity. Okay, I just want you to know this wasn't a no, normal crowd. This wasn't a sermon on the mount. 
this was a essentially a life-threatening situation. There were so many people there. There was just no control. There was no crowd control. Jesus didn't have a security detail. There was no fences or gates to kind of keep the throng of humanity away. They could just get right up on him. Okay? That's what's going on in this, this particular account. And it says, a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, verse 25 says, and had endured much at the hands of many physicians. Now, I just want to just also paint a little bit of context. Jesus has been summoned or at least requested by Jairus, who's the head of the synagogue, will you come and heal my daughter? She's 12 years old and she's about to die. The actual Greek suggests that she is at the point of death. And by the way, by the time Jesus got to her, she was already dead. They were already in funeral. They had hired, they had hired the professional mourners. They were wailing and crying and singing. And it was, this was just, they were already starting the funeral procession, which suggests that her body had decayed at such a rapid rate that by the time she died, they wanted to get her in the ground immediately. By the way, Jews, even to this day, to this day, Jews bury their dead within 24 hours. They don't mess around. If you know any observing Jews or Orthodox Jews, you'll know. They don't be waiting a week for a funeral, you know, putting notices in the paper and waiting for the family to fly in from Kalamazoo. No. If Aunt Betty dies, she's, she's, she's going to be buried right then and there. They don't mess, they don't mess around. So, so, it's, so th this girl is getting ready to, to be interred right here, and, and, and Jesus is trying to get to her, but he's interrupted. He's, he's on his way to perform a miracle, and he gets interrupted by a miracle. One girl that was 12 years old, another girl that had been suffering with this bleeding issue for 12 years. The play on words is just amazing. The juxtaposition of the 12-year-old girl and the 12-year-old lady who's at the point of death been ostracized. Imagine her status, guys. Imagine this lady being a Jewish lady. That means that she was orthodox and she was official. She was a part of the Jewish lineage. Blood was an anathema, according to Leviticus 15. If a woman, even during her normal monthly cycle, during that period of time, she was considered unclean. During that time, she wasn't even able to go to temple. So this is, so, and, and it's something to extend beyond that, you were declared ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. You could not, A, worship, B, attend synagogue, C, give it or receive an offering. D, you couldn't have relations with your husbands or, or interact with your family or friends. You couldn't go to market. You couldn't go to any social events. You weren't allowed to take, play, take part in any of the festivals. You were essentially ostracized. You might as well have leprosy for crying out loud. It was really that bad, and this was just natural. Imagine a woman that has been having continuous bleeding issues for 12 years the Bible says she had spent all her money on doctors. And by the way, I kind of alluded to that in Sunday school. These weren't really doctors. For the most part, they were witch doctors. They practiced superstition and, and, and tribal medicine that amounted to some things that I won't even tell you about what they did. Perhaps it is lady mutilating her and, and with stuff that would have been more harmful. I mean, the medical association, Andy, would have shut them down. Uh, they couldn't practice these things that this poor lady endured and spent all her money on these hacks, on these really just totally uh, fraudsters. 
And now she's just at the point of desperation. So that's where the story is. I'm going to give you that quick background. So here's what the Bible says in Mark 5. I'm going to jump down to verse 27. After hearing about Jesus. How many of you know when you hear about Jesus is a game changer? <laughs> How many of you know that Jesus is the great equalizer? How many of you know that it don't matter what situation you're in, when you factor in Jesus, you go from being the underdog to being the favorite? <laughs> kind of like the Lakers right now need Jesus. Okay, another subject. Okay, so at any rate, so at any rate, sorry about that, Lakers fan, because I'm a Laker fan. So, uh, so, so here it goes. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his coat. By the way, what she actually touched, according to my research, and I looked at this years ago when I taught this. Uh, this is probably my third time preaching this sermon in 20 years. But when I, when I looked at this originally and looked at it again, uh, typically a rabbi or any religious or devout man would wear a, a tunic that would have tassels, typically four of them hanging from the, from the bottom of the garment. Okay, So what, what it is is that the lady probably, when she was trying to get to Jesus, probably had to get down on her knees. She's crawling through the crowd. Look at the video because you'll see it is so well portrayed. She's crawling on the ground because she wanted to go unnoticed because to touch anybody, to be touched by anybody, to brush up against anybody automatically defile that person. Now, everybody that's in her ecosphere, everybody that's in her orbit is now contaminated and considered ceremonially. So she, she wiggles her way through the bottom of her crowd, probably on her knees, and she doesn't actually touch, I believe, she doesn't actually touch Jesus' person. She don't touch his clothes. She probably just touches one of those tassels. To the normal person, that would be completely unperceptible. You touch the bottom of my shirt, I probably wouldn't even feel that if I'm being pressed on by thousands of people. She, she gets to his tassel, no doubt. She touches, that's what the hem was. The hem did not extend beyond the bottom of the garment, only the tassel did. She touches it. And the Bible says that when she touched it, she was healed instantly. She felt the internal bleeding stop as on a dime, like boom. There was no slow trickle. There was no like extended healing. There was no stages. There was no delay. There was no process. There was no weaning off of this. She Instantly, the Bible says, and the, and the words that Mark used, by, by the way, Mark, Mark has, has been considered the gospel writer that wrote Rod with, they say he uses more verbs than John and Matthew and Luke. It's, it's called the action gospel. If you read Mark, you'll see words like in the King James Version, straight away, forthwith, immediately, instantly. Mark uses these really dramatic words that shows exacting action it shows results he really is about about showing the forcefulness of the lord's impact so here's what it says here's what it says i'm almost done hang with me it says immediately the flow of blood was dried up and she felt in her body and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction by the way did you guys know that there's a difference there's a difference between being healed and being treated. 
Watch this though. You you on board with me on that one. Here's another one. There is a difference between being healed and being cured. You can be cured of something and then have a relapse. You can be you something into remission and then it could rear its ugly head again. You can be cured today, but contract that same disease. Look how many times people got COVID. Some people got it multiple times. Some people get various forms of cancer, various forms of, of other maladies multiple times, multiple ways. Now, there, was a, there may be a cure for one. There may be a cure for colon cancer or preventative cure, but maybe not a cure for lung cancer. You see what I'm saying? I'm just using that as an example. But I want you to see this because this is just so amazing what Jesus does for her. The Bible says that she was healed of her affliction immediately. <laughs> that, that in and of itself is a sermon rod. But here's the, here comes the good part. It says immediately Jesus perceiving. See, that's Mark using those words again. Immediately, straightforward, forthwith, right now. Uh, he uses these powerful dynamic terms to describe what's going on because they're so impactful. It's, it's a writing technique. Jamie could attest to this. There's various, there's various writing techniques that authors can use to convey a thought or a message differently. For instance, in the Gospel of John, it's more prose. He gives you these long narratives. But in Matthew and Mark, especially this, what are called the synoptic gospels, synopsis means that all three writers are writing about the same subject, but from a different perspective. Mark is writing from this powerful, powerful perspective. Some believe that he, was, he received his information from Peter. I don't know that I know that. It's not part of canon, so I dismissed that. I wanted to stick with the facts. Let me just say this to you guys that are into these literary forms and really into the technical part of the Bible like that. Hey, the Holy Spirit wrote, God wrote the Bible. Forget the men's names. Sometimes I'm almost disappointed that their names were included for some of the seminarian type people because they get so caught up on the person that wrote it. Thank God the Lord just decided with Hebrews, I'm going to just keep y'all guessing. I ain't even going to tell y'all who wrote Hebrews because I think we get so caught up on, on names and technology and styles and nuance that we miss the message, which I'm going to talk about here in just a second and I'll be done. So it says here, Jesus made this statement in verse 30, verse 30 of Mark 5, immediately perceiving in himself that the power, I think the King James Version says that the, does it say unction? Does it say the, the virtue? That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. I knew it was V-U and that family. The virtue, the virtue left his body uh, immediately, immediately. Uh, the word power, dunamis, the power left his body, the virtue, that anointing, that unction. He felt it, guys. I'm almost done. Stay with me. He said, so he said it, it proceeded from his body, had gone forth. So he turned around the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Some translations will say, who touched me? Matter of fact, the very next verse in the NASB says, and his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you. You know, you, you see this going on. Look, you, you see this happening. You see, everybody is touching you, right? Say, lighten up. Everybody's touching you from every side. And you're going to ask who touched you? What up? What gives? 
you know, in the video you'll see when you if you get home and watch it, Peter's like beside himself, like, Master, you're asking who's touching you and everybody is all over you. And I, this is my point. This is this is to me the most important part of the message. Because Jesus is making a distinction. Watch this. The Bible says, and his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around and saw the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened, aware that she had been found out, she came and fell down before him and told the whole truth and said, and told the whole truth about what happened. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your infliction, your affliction. Here's what I got out of this. I got two or three things out of this, but here's one. All these people that day, all these people are bumping into making physical contact with Jesus. All these people are just brushing up against him. They're just touching him. They're in his atmosphere. They're in his orbit. None of them gets healed. None of them are made better. You say, well, Pastor Will, well, maybe they weren't sick. Well, they probably have something going on. If you ain't sick, you're going to have a headache. You're gonna, I ain't sick today, but my allergies are acting up. You don't have to be like on your deathbed to, to, to need some help, right? Sometimes you just have low energy levels. Sometimes you're just blasé. Sometimes you're a little despondent. You don't have to be sick to need help. They're just touching Jesus, and nothing is happening. But this woman intentionally, purposefully, with a specific need in mind, knowing what she's doing, touches perhaps a tassel, and her life is changed Come immediately. On. Here's what I got out of that. Because I thought, well, what are the people going to say Sunday morning listening to this sermon online or on site? What does that have to do with me? I can just go down to Cleveland Clinic and get the same result. Well, no, you can't. No, you can't. Not really. Not when I tell you what else he did for her. She didn't just stop bleeding. When the Lord heals you, he heals you inside and out. He healed her body. He healed her mind. He healed her emotions. He healed her reputation. He healed her standing in the community. He healed her self-confidence. He healed her self-esteem. He healed Status. He healed her soul. He didn't just stop at her body. He healed everything in her that needed to be touched. He didn't stop at the bleeding. He didn't stop at the hemorrhaging. He heated all of it. That's right, Thomas. I'm jumping up and down too because I feel the same way. Jesus healed everything. And that's how he works. He doesn't just touch one part of our body. That's the difference between a healing and a cure. A cure may heal a disease or a disorder, but it does nothing for our souls, nothing for our spirits, nothing for our minds. I said, I said for a Monday morning moment, I said, boy, I had like three Monday morning moments, but I had one Monday morning moment that many people had incidental contact with Jesus that day, but only the woman with the issue of blood had intentional contact with It's one thing to bump into Justin just accidentally because of the crowd. 
It's another thing to target Justin, to single him out, to make a beeline him. Say, no, I don't care how many thousands of people are there. I'm getting to this man. I'm getting to him. That's intentional. That's with purpose. That's why she was healed. Notice, Jesus said, it's your touch that healed you. It wasn't getting to my garment. It was your faith. It was your trust. It was your intentional desire to get to me. I read your heart way before, way before you touched me. I read your heart. I knew what was going on inside of you. Mm. This this lady, I tell you, I went once. Every time I think these women can't impress me anymore, every time I think I can't learn anything else for the women in Jesus' life, for the women that just turn this world upside down, for the women that change life as we know it, I come to another one that just ups the ante. Jesus said to her daughter, and I love even that expression right there. The Greek word there for daughter, it's a word that's tough to pronounce. It's thergator. And it doesn't just mean biological daughter or little daughter like the girl that was 12 years old. It means a, 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 it's an expression of affection and kindness. It's an expression of tenderness that suggests a spiritual relationship that she now has with God. So he says, daughter. Daughter, go in peace. In other words, I've not only healed your body, but you're now ceremonially clean. You're spiritually clean. You're clean. The position has been restored in the community. You can move about. You can worship. You can go to the market. You can reunite with your family. Your status has been restored. You are now made whole, and your position has been elevated. Wow. Boy, oh boy, let me stop. Um, let me stop. Let me just say this in, as, a, as a closing prayer. I, I, I thought about weaponized prayer, and I said, was this weaponized prayer? Yes, because she came with an intentional purpose that she wanted the Lord to do for her, and she believed the Lord. She believed that he could do it. She didn't go there with any doubts. She believed that he could do it. Amen. So I'm going to do a brother coach for Brother Bobby this morning. Next week, next week, I'm going to tell you right now what the one-word rap questions are going to be. I'm going to be asking these questions specifically. It's just like the teacher that used to give you the test and say, take home and study it. We're going to have this exact exam tomorrow. I used to love what it was called a take-home test. I aced them mugs. <laughs> give me a take-home test any day of the week as opposed to my worst, the worst test of all was an essay test. Because you couldn't fudge. Second to a take-home was a multiple choice because I knew the right answer was in there somewhere. And I had a 20, I had a 25%. I had a 25% chance of getting it right, even if I had to just guess, which I did a lot. But uh, this is the take-home quiz for next week. Number one, how do I have faith when Jesus seems to be ignoring me? Sorry I couldn't put these up, but I, I was having laptop issues. And I ran out of time this morning. How do I have faith when Jesus seems to be ignoring me? That was the lady last week. That was to some extent the lady this week. Here's question number two. What do I do 
when I don't get what I want from the Lord? What do I do when the Lord just seems to not answer my prayer? Amen? That's set question number two. And here's one more for next week I'm going to address uh, before the sermon. The last one is, how do I deal with my depression and discouragement? How do I deal with my depression and discouragement? And you guys, if you will, when you answer these questions this week, I want you to pray about it, and I want you to use scripture, because I have scriptural answers. And when you raise up your red flag or your white flag next Sunday when I do it, I'm going to ask some of you to defend your answer, okay? Because these are important points, I think, that can, these are my walking points for today. I think these things can be game changers for you. If you know, Lord, how do I have faith when Jesus seems to be ignoring me? What do I do when I don't get what I want from the Lord? And then finally, how do I deal with my depression and discouragement? I want you to find a scripture that answers each of those three scriptures or more, one per question that answers those questions, and I'm going to ask you about them next week, all right? And I pray that you are blessed by it. I pray that you are not one of those people that, uh, that bumped into Jesus but didn't get anything from him. Uh, the, I, I put down the Monday morning moment. It was not her touching Jesus, but her trusting Jesus that brought her healing. I'll say the Monday morning moment again, because if your neighbor is like Bobby Beecham's neighbor, who asked him the other day, like he was under an oath of, like he had sworn an oath to testify in court, seemingly. She kept, she kept asking him about the sermon Sunday. Was it the Sunday sermon coach that she was asking you? She kept pressing him. So now you can say, well, here's what I remember him saying. It wasn't not her touching Jesus, but her trusting Jesus that brought her healing. And that's what will bring our healing, our trusting Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for this sermon. We thank you for this service. Thank you for the songs. Thank you for the praise and worship. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the requests. We just thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here today, online or on site. Please give us strength. Help us to be Bereans, to go out this week and to be noble-minded and honorable and let our light shine so that people can see you in us. May our approach to you, Lord, be deliberate and intentional that we might receive what you have for us. May we not be shrinking violence and shy and un unimpressed or indifferent, but Lord, may we be committed to you and all things. We give you the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.